following sermon was delivered at the 1030 worship service at the United Methodist Church of Kent. Please enjoy. So many different rituals. Rituals are a part of this time of year. Rituals like decorating our homes with lights and greenery and trees. Rituals like worshiping together on Christmas Eve, lighting candles, singing Silent Night. Rituals like baking and eating cookies. Anybody eat any cookies this past week? (laughs) Giving and receiving presents, sharing family meals. So many different rituals are part of this time of year. Now this weekend, rituals related to the end of a year and the beginning of a new year, counting down as we watch the ball drop from Times Square, maybe eating pork and sauerkraut or black-eyed peas or some other specific food to welcome the new year tomorrow, maybe making New Year's resolutions, and, and then maybe a few weeks from now breaking those New Year's resolutions. So many different rituals are part of this time of year. So many different rituals fill so much of our lives. Rituals like weddings and funerals and graduations and family reunions. Some of them may be fairly specific to our family of origin or to the family that we have formed over time. Others to our region or our culture. Still others are almost universally shared. And then there are those life events that often don't have rituals easily at hand for them but probably really need them. Things like when someone moves away, or when partners get divorced, or when a pregnancy is lost, or when someone changes their name. Rituals are important, perhaps even more so as our lives increasingly are taking place in digital and virtual spaces. Rituals ground us and point us forward, provide rhythm and shape and and meaning for our lives, especially when our futures are feeling uncertain. Rituals help us to navigate confusing and ambiguous and daunting chapters of our lives. Rituals incarnate, make tactile, otherwise only spiritual or ethereal experiences. From the Anglican branch of our United Methodist family tree, we say that our sacraments, two of our many rituals, Holy Communion and Baptism, are outward and visible signs of an inward and spiritual grace. Rituals provide something tangible for us to point to, to hang on to, a clear way that we can participate in and connect with that which is otherwise intangible. Rituals also connect us more deeply with one another, with our communities. They remind us that we're not alone, that billions of other people have done this thing we're doing now before us as as part of the timeless passages of life. And while the rituals themselves may be prescribed or have some rigidity to them, their their results aren't always predictable, to be sure. Unexpected blessings can be born even out of the most ritualized, even out of the most rote of activities. In fact, those rituals can, in fact, put us in a better position to notice and to receive those unexpected blessings. In today's gospel, we find glimpses of all of this, the impact and the importance of rooting ourselves in life-giving rituals. It really is a great story for this first Sunday after Christmas Day, not only because it opens just eight days after Christmas Day, but, but just as many of us likely have been engaged in some variety of rituals recently, both religious and otherwise, so too the Holy Family, Mary and Joseph and Jesus. 
In the Gospel's telling of the story, it almost seems as though every little detail is included and, and designed specifically to emphasize for us just how normal, how ordinary or rote or ritualized all of it is. Jesus, we're told, is circumcised and named when eight days have passed. It's a ritual prescribed in Leviticus chapter 12. Then when the time comes, that is 40 days after Jesus' birth, his parents take him to Jerusalem in accordance with the law of Moses for Mary's ritual cleansing, the cleansing after childbirth. Then they present Jesus at the temple and offer a sacrifice, again, in keeping with what's stated in the law, although significantly, and it is significant, Luke tells us that their sacrifice is a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now that's significant because this was the provision specifically named in the law for those who were economically vulnerable. And so it tells us something about the Holy Family. For those who could afford it, the ritual sacrifice was a lamb. And then while at the temple practicing all of these rituals, they meet these two characters whom we've never heard of before nor hear from again, Simeon and Anna known to us only because their lives were so rooted in rituals that they were there at the temple that day when Mary and Joseph and Jesus happened by. Now, if you've been counting along, that is four rituals enacted by the Holy Family in this short little story. Circumcising, naming, cleansing, and then presenting and sacrificing. Plus, the rituals practiced by Simeon and Anna that put them in the right place at the right time, worshiping, fasting, and praying. All of them, their lives were so filled with rituals, and those rituals brought them all together and opened them so that they could recognize the joy and the power of God's presence even in a child. Throughout Advent this year, and now into this season of Christmas, we've been noticing how and where joy shows up in our scriptures. That joy is often present in difficult or weary circumstances, and that reality has been for us an invitation to rejoice in the Lord always, to rejoice even in a weary world. In today's story from the Gospel of Luke, joy is not an overwhelming emotion, and yet, yet the seeds of joy are sown in the rituals of the story, just as the seeds of joy are sown in all of the meaningful ways that we choose to celebrate and to mark our lives. For example, in today's story, we might imagine how Mary and Joseph must have been feeling at this point in their lives, after all that they've been through, all of the physical and figurative distance that they've traveled, navigating a rocky, uncertain beginning to their relationship with each other, moving from Nazareth to Bethlehem at least for a time and not being welcomed when they get there, giving birth in a manger, a feeding trough for livestock, and then being visited by these strange shepherds just in from the fields who claim to have heard singing angels. That's an awful lot to take in and try to process. It's no wonder Mary takes a few beats at the end of the nativity story to treasure the words she's heard, to ponder them in her heart. And yet, of course, as a new parent, there certainly isn't a lot of time for pondering. For little baby Jesus needs to be fed and changed and kept warm and helped to sleep. And yet even still in the midst of all of that, even amid all of their concerns and major adjustments and fears and uncertainty, even in the midst of all of that, Mary and Joseph make room for rituals. And through those rituals, 
They are bolstered by the community who surrounds them. Through those rituals, they are connected to their ancestors and to the community who gathers with them. And through the words of Simeon and Anna who meet them in those rituals, they are connected to folks yet to come. And so even now, as they internalize the fullness of Jesus' personhood and their own responsibility for raising this child, for raising this God incarnate into adulthood, they are reminded that they're not alone. Rituals are not just empty routines. Rituals create space and mark meaning and connect us with God and with each other. Sometimes rituals can feel forced, of course, and and for some of us more than for others. For some of us, whether because of our wiring or our past experiences, we may be more or less drawn to rituals. Sometimes they can feel quite absent of meaning, as though we're just, just going through the motions, as we say. Nevertheless, I would encourage us, persist. For holy habits are powerful connectors once they're formed, but like any habit, they take time to form. The idea is to form a rhythm through our routines and our rituals, to connect the rhythms of our lives to the rhythms of God's life and the rhythms of God's new creation, and to trust as we do so, to trust that sooner or later the very same rituals that have provided for others a meeting place with God will do so for us as well. In a previous congregation where I served, there was a man whose self or God-appointed job and ministry was to encourage widows and widowers as soon as possible after their spouses had died to be in worship the very next Sunday. This encouragement he gave was from his own experience. Thirty years before I knew him, when his wife had died, he was at choir practice a couple days later and worship a couple days after that, and he would tell you He would tell you it was the best thing he ever could have done in those circumstances. To return to the rituals, to reestablish the connection with the community, the community of God who would be supporting him. In my own life too, I can think back over the most challenging stretches of my life. Seasons in my life that felt deeply unsettled. Times in my life when I was longing, longing desperately for a sense of God's nearness and yet felt completely absent and abandoned. In those seasons of deep weariness, by grace, by grace I kept going through the motions, even when those motions felt entirely absent and void of meaning. And those motions saved me, kept me afloat. Or more precisely, I might say, God acting through the community who is going through those motions with me, worshiping, praying, singing, connecting. Like a life preserver, They kept my head above water long enough until I had strength and faith enough to swim. Today's story tells us that both Simeon and Anna rooted their lives in rituals. They prayed and worshipped and fasted. And through those rituals, their lives were shaped to eagerly anticipate the restoration of God's creation. And because of that, because they were committed to going through the motions, They were ready to perceive God's presence with us, Emmanuel, in both ordinary and extraordinary ways. And so in the spirit of one of the rituals associated with this day, New Year's Eve day, I wonder perhaps if today's story might be an example for us. A resolution we might set, both individually and together as we prepare to move now into a new year. Perhaps recall the commitments we were invited to make for 2024 
just a couple of months ago. Those five essential practices for reconnecting with God and with each other. Rituals of praying and worshiping. Rituals of reading scripture and practicing intentional acts of kindness. Rituals of pursuing opportunities for generosity and getting to know our neighbors better and inviting folks to join us in some gathering of this congregation. Maybe these can be some of the rituals that ground us and point us forward. Some of the rituals that provide rhythm and shape and and meaning for our lives, whatever the year ahead may hold. These can be some of the rituals that root our lives in God's presence, that connect us to each other, that remind us day by day that we are not alone, for God is with us, Emmanuel. And by God's grace and through these rituals, we are with each other too. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you for listening to this edition of the United Methodist Church of Kent Sermon Podcast. For more information about the church, visit www.kentmethodist.com.